Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is a podcast where we ruin a horror movie for you every week without fail. Without fail. We are here. Constantly failing, and yet without fail. (laughs) We had begged you guys, uh, because we are slaves to the algorithm, to leave us uh, some good reviews on iTunes. And if you leave a spooky one, like, we'll read the spookiest ones uh, whatever your interpretation of spooky is, uh, on the podcast. And boy, do we have one that I want to read because I can't live with this reality, just mine anymore. I need to share it. Um, this review was from Jay Kayleen, who said the title of it is Does Hallie Exist? Mm, love and it already. He says, I like to imagine the podcast is just a nightmare of <laughs> Alison Leiby. Yes. Or her best friend, in quotes, Hallie Kiefer, <laughs> Tortures her night after night with detailed yet hilarious breakdowns of horror movies. I predict the plot twist is there is no Hallie. It was all just a vivid dream all in Allison's head. Incredible. Absolute incredible twist. Now I'm like, is that what's happening? I was going to say, don't <laughs> tell Allison, but this is, that is true. This is a, actually what's happening. I do not exist. I'm actually Allison in a different voice, but she doesn't know she's doing both of us. How would I know? How would I know that that's not reality? Like, there's no way for me to ever even find that out. It would have to be, like, at the third act, you know, like, someone's like, Mm -hmm. Allison, I recorded you recording the podcast, and then you look, and it's just you running to different sides of a table or something. (laughs) Yeah, just me talking to my computer screen, (laughs) just, like, doing both of our voices. This is a perfect story. This is, like, better than, you know, like, the baby shoes never worn. (laughs) Baby shoes for sale never worn. So much darker and better. Uh, just a, an incredible, spooky review. Thank you so much, Jay Kayleen. And yes, if you leave us a five-star review and write us a genuinely spooky review, and listen, we're starting out hot, so you got to measure up yeah. to this. This is, like, the bar has Ooh. been set. Um, so it, we will happily read them. So thank you so much for that. Um, terrifying. 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 The The general concept of, like, finding out someone isn't real or something is a dream. Ugh, uh, you know, we, we've done multiple movies where that's happened, and it is always a scary thing. Uh, speaking of scary things, we are, um, October is for us witch month. We decided to pick witch a theme, month. and the theme is witches. One, there's a lot of witch movies. Two, oh, they're all different kinds. You know, you just, you picture a witch with the hat, and that's just one kind yeah. of witch. Yeah. And this uh, week we're doing a, a, well, not a totally different kind of witch, but a certainly um, a spin on an old classic. It's a twist yes. on an old classic. This is, of course, it is 2013's The Conjuring. Which was recommended uh, 
Thank you. Uh, Christy recommended on Instagram and Caprine recommended on Twitter. Keep those recommendations coming. We yes, will get to you. everything eventually. <laughs> so thank you guys, and I'm excited for this one. What is your? Do you have any um, familiarity with or knowledge about The Conjuring as a franchise, Allison? I only know that it is a franchise. That okay, like great. it is like that there are many. Like, I'm curious, and, like, maybe we can dig into, like, are are all of the sequels and, and subsequent films related to the first, or is it kind of anthology style? So, basically, the Conjuring franchise is built around two, a fictionalized version of two real people, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, they are real paranormal investigators. Um, Lorraine is still alive. Ed um, looks like he passed away in 2006. And they are people who their business was, well, it was the business of show, but what they were showing is, you know, haunted houses, um, possessions. Um, Lorraine Mm -hmm. claimed to be a clairvoyant and a medium. Ed sort of pitched himself as this demonologist. In 1952, the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Okay. Written a million books, investigated a million famous hauntings, you know, um, Amityville Horror, you know, if that name rings any bells. Yes. They were out here in the streets doing the legwork. Now, what were all these things complete uh, hoaxes? I believe so. So that's yeah. where I'm coming from. Uh, right. Another thing that they, uh, the movie sort of emphasizes their good Christian nature. Um, I like that. Which is an interesting take. You could look this up. Um, at what point Ed moved a 15-year-old girl into their house and she was effectively their third, mm. which, again, I'm not saying— If you have a third, that's fine. I don't think I don't think God judges. But when it comes to teenagers, I, I think that this is— um, You know, there's a lot of song and dance about the ghosts, and then at home, n- nothing good was going on. Yeah. But it's uh, interesting the way that the franchise has sort of solidified them as like this good Christian couple whose good, beautiful, heterosexual Christian love is partially what saves you from the ghost. Okay. Yeah, so that's a lot like to that. take in. And okay. they okay. also have, and I believe it's to, uh, not operational right now, they do have sort of an occult museum that was in their home filled with artifacts and um, different um sort of souvenirs from different hauntings. One of those souvenirs you've probably heard of is the very famous Annabelle, uh, a haunted doll, oh, has her yes. own movie uh, franchise yes. that has spun off of uh, The Conjuring. Oh, so is Annabelle a, is it actually a Conjuring, like, splinter movie? Like, that, does it come from that? Or is it just, we know it, the reality, question mark, um, is that? Well, she's she start, she's in The Conjuring. She's in a, many of the movies I've seen. I don't think I've seen all the Annabelle movies. I did see Annabelle Origins, which I would argue don't, in fact, explain the origins of where Annabelle actually came from. Um, but yes, Annabelle kicks off. Not only is she featured heavily, and she kicks off The Conjuring movie. So she's sort of their, she's their star. She's their Judy Garland. And you, so as a result, you could put her in other movies, and she can carry them. Okay. Um, and this is uh, directed by James Wan and written by Ched Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes. Wait, not Chet Hayes, not Tom Hanks's anti-vax no. white boy summer son. No, um, no, this is Chad Hayes. Oh, Chad Hayes. Wow, those names are basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> they are the same, but I would argue that they are, in fact, pr- uh, spelled or pronounced differently. But, you know, yes. I, thank you for keeping me on my toes. Um, and we always like to have Allison watch uh, the trailer. And what were your thoughts about the Conjuring trailer? 
I mean, spooky. Mm-hmm. Definitely spooky. Okay. Uh, love Vera for me. Formiga? Formiglia? Now I'm forgetting what her last name is. But she's great. Yes. Like, she's, like, she really is good at, like, acting horrified. (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I will say, and Patrick Wilson plays Ed Warren. Yes. Both of them are absolute babes. And both of them giving 110%. Like, these are the kind of movies where they are elevated by good actors. And they are committed, and they are in there, and they are the Warrens. And I really appreciate that about this movie. Yeah. You know, the the general, like, based on true story stuff is always very scary, but then I'm like, how much of this is a true story, in quotes? Um, Right. Um, This, again, a lot of it's up for debate. I think the mm -hmm. Warrens very much sold the idea that a lot of this is true, Again, do I think it's true? No. I, I, you know, there's a TikTok going around right now where I think it's, it's like uh, the guy saying, ghosts can't hurt you. And we know this because if they could, there would only be about a handful of Caucasian people left in the world. And that's sort of how <laughs> I agree. It's like, if it's ghosts could true. really do this, we'd all be like, uh, uh, then the world would be absolute mayhem all the time. Because it's not just like one out of a billion ghosts. You know what I mean? Right. It wouldn't be like this biz- like this friend of a friend of a friend heard a thing yes. about a story. Like, it would be happening constantly. Like, that would be a regular yeah. occurrence of like, oh, more ghost violence. So, yeah, that's how I think we know there aren't ghosts. I completely agree. Now, I would do like to take a baseline scary. And I, I guess for me, Allison, the question is, how scary do you find the concept of being too poor to move out of a haunted house? Oh, Very. Very, very, very scary. Being trapped by money is in inge- like I, I find financial. I talked to my accountant yesterday and I cried. Like I find finances <laughs> yeah. so scary. <laughs> um, but yeah, it I to then be, to then have you know your financial struggles trap you in a house with a ghost. That's even worse. That's like worst case scenario. Yeah, and I feel like so many haunted house movies. Like you're like at a certain point, like okay, why don't you just leave? And they do a great job of this of being like. This is the early 70s. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of oh, kids. Oh, is this whole movie set in the 70s? Yes, it is a period piece. Okay. Um, you know, my husband works. I stay home. I am pregnant with our uh, sixth Aye. child. Like, uh, where do you think we're going to go? All of our money went into buying this house. And to me, that's the most compelling reason. Like, yeah, where the fuck would you go? Where do you take all those kids? Right. You know? And um, so that's underpinning a lot of what's going on. It's like they okay. simply can't afford to leave. They can't, they can't go anywhere. And Ugh. that's, of course, because it's more realistic, more terrifying. Yes. And then finally, before we kick things off, Allison, do you want to guess the twist in The Conjuring? Guess the twist. I'm going to guess that the witch ghost... Haunt, whatever is haunting uh, this house has a tie to this specific family. Okay, g- give me a little more. Push it. Like push maybe it, push it a little further. Maybe an ancestor of or or uh, who of the people who live in this house Great. has wronged the dead. Great, love in it in some way. So kind of an unfinished business vibes. Yeah, and and that's another thing about ghosts. It's like oh, they've unfinished business, baby. Everyone who has ever died up until about yes. four years ago and also continue right. today has unfinished business. I don't know what you think yes. the history of the world is, but it's not like people tidally wrapping things up and then dying of gangrene at 34. You know what I mean? Like, yes. The <laughs> history is full of people with business whose net will ne- never be finished. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, where in the where does this take place? We're in New England. Okay. They're in Harrisville, Rhode Island, and um, we're kicking things off in 1971. And um, but let us begin. We are ruining the Conjuring, and we're actually going to take it to a slightly different direction because the movie does not start with the main haunting, which I, I think is a fun, you know, sort of um, oh, I like uh, that diversion. So we meet uh, uh, two roommates, Debbie and Camilla, and Rick, who I'm assuming is one of their boyfriends. It's unclear, and they are meeting with Ed and Lorraine Warren to tell them about their unfortunate house guest Annabelle. And this is where we, this is where we first find out about Annabelle. And they tell them, well, we had this doll. And it was sort of like moving a little bit around the apartment. But in a way that we found very intriguing. Couldn't be me. Also, Annabelle the doll looks terrifying. If you haven't seen yep. her, please Google her. Just her face alone. No child would want that doll. I'll say this. Most dolls are scary. Mm-hmm. And old dolls are especially scary. And an old doll moving around on its own, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, now trifecta. game over. And they're talking to the, the Warrens, and the Warrens like, oh, okay, you know, like, taking notes. And they say, okay, and we may have done something we shouldn't have done. We went to a medium, and the medium said there was a spirit of a seven-year-old girl who died in our apartment, Annabelle, who was just lonely and, and was just playing with um, the doll. And so, well, we gave her permission to enter the doll. And the Warrens are like, you did no. what? No, no, You nope. Why would you do that? And they're like, well— well, that being said, it, we did it. And uh, in the middle of the night, they wake up. Oh, they come home one day. That's what it was. They come home one day, and Annabelle's in the middle of the hallway. And when they went to go put her, no. I guess, back in her own bedroom. <laughs> I mean, I understand there's two people here, but, like, how many rooms does this apartment have? They walk in, and Annabelle has fucking trashed the place. She's no. smashed picture frames. No. She's drawn in a red marker on the ceiling. Tore no. up all this shit. The ce- how did she even get up there? I don't know. And I, where I don't she like get the that. markers? No, I don't like that at all. So the girls take Annabelle, as you would, and throw her in a dumpster outside. Yes, Allison, smart. in the no. middle of the night, there is no. a loud, aggressive banging on the front door. No. Terrifying if that's a human, even worse if it's a doll. Yeah. Yeah, even if that's somebody who you want to see, that's not a fun experience to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night to banging on a front door. They opened the front door, Allison. Oh, no. Uh, couldn't be me. And they nope. find a little handwritten note that says, Miss me? Question mark. Because Annabelle has a sense of fun. She has a sense of play no. about her. Oh, my God. <laughs> and suddenly they hear the pounding from inside a, an internal door, like a closet. That's where uh-huh. the pounding is coming from. And they open the door. They sort of gasp in horror. Spoiler alert, it was Annabelle. And of course. Lauren says, okay, well, you shouldn't have invited the entity into the doll because that, whatever that was, it wasn't human. That's a demonic entity or an inhuman entity. You Like, no, yes. a, a child that died, you wouldn't be able to, like, put it into an object. You basically said, yes, unknown inhuman entity, go ahead and go inside this doll. And then um, it would basically be using, um, you know, like, you know, like you get to the airport early and you sort of have a drink. Annabelle yeah. is the airport chilies before she tries to get into a human body. Oh, sure. So she was just having sure. a little fun with you before she possessed one of you. So it's actually really good that you came to us um, so we could lock Annabelle's ass up. And they have Annabelle, they put Annabelle in a sort of their at-home occult museum. So they have all these artifacts from all these different cases they've worked on. Okay. And what we realize is this story they're telling is actually a lecture they're giving at a college. And so we sort of like, oh, now we're in a lecture okay. room and Anne and Lorraine are wrapping up their story and they're like, any questions? 
everyone has a question about the story Could they have told. more questions? That is, right. That is who, what, Questions where, abound. Yeah. Um, what a question they call on someone and they say, um, what do people call you? And it says, well, you know, I have been called a demonologist, ghost hunters, and uh, Lorraine says, kooks. It's like, well, yeah, in real life, um, I mean, absolutely. Because yeah, that's not a thing in reality, but in the movie world, sure. And we get some text on the screen. I'm not going to read all of it because it's incredibly long. But Ed is the only non-ordained demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. And Lorraine is a, clear, a self-declared clairvoyant. And it promises us only one story oh. is so malevolent. They have locked it away until now. And oh. now we get into the movie. This is the story that's okay. so malevolent. And uh, we, we're meeting a family, the Perones. And it's Roger and Carolyn and their five daughters, Allison. no. That's too many. That's a horror movie, having that many children. And Allison, Carolyn is pregnant, which means they're going to have a six, presumably, oh. daughter. I mean, like, the genetic lottery, yeah, maybe but, it could be a boy, but after five, yeah. it's going to be a girl. It's going to be a girl. Roger's bringing only girls to the table. We've got Andrea, the oldest, okay. Nancy and Christine, Cindy and April. And all of them are, like, tw- Andrea's, like, a teen down to April, who's, like, four. So, like, not old enough to go okay. to school yet. But sure. they, they run the gamut. And it, 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 I assumed, because of all the religious talk already, okay, so they're a Catholic family. They don't believe in birth control. Allison, later we, they fi- we find out they're not religious at all. And I'm like, why the hell are you having six kids then? No, that's just, no, 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 no. No, that's too many kids. If you have a religious inclination, okay, I can understand it. If you were just regular people having right. six kids, that, I need, I need like a prequel about that. Especially if you don't have a lot of money, like right, exactly. If you're if if things are already strapped, like stop having children. So speaking of, they have bought a house and they're extremely excited. It's this big, rambling, old, beautiful house. It's in Rhode Island, and all of their money has gone to the house. But it's finally big enough for their gigantic and continuing to expand family. And yes. um, they're moving in, and they're there with their dog Sadie who refuses to step inside their new home and is just barking and running around on the outside. So we already know a bad sign. Something is wrong. Dogs always know. Um, And immediately they're moving things in April because she's young and can't really move boxes. She's outside playing and she finds a music box near a tree outside. That that night, the girls are all playing around. Their mom is like yelling at them to like, stop, you don't know the house. Like, please don't do this. But they always play a game called Clap and Seek, which is essentially a blindfolded game of hide and seek where the seeker is blindfolded, and then the other people who are hiding have to clap to let her know where they are. Okay. Terrifying. Most children's games are kind of scary. Exactly. So they're playing in the house. It does look fun, again, if you didn't live in a house where you knew some fucked up was about to go down. As they go to bed, Roger and Carolyn are, like, cannot get Sadie to come inside, so she's just running around barking in the yard. And Mm. Roger's like, don't worry, I tied her up. She can sleep on the porch. It's not too cold. But I don't know what we're going to do if she refuses to come in the house. And then, Allison, they have sex to Chris in the house. I'm like, you're telling me this couple who has five children who just spent all day moving and also one of them is pregnant had the energy to have sex? Absolutely not. That's more preposterous than a ghost, in my opinion. Absolutely not. That's absolutely insane. That's the most unbelievable thing probably (laughs) that will happen in the entire film. When Carolyn wakes up, she has a mysterious bruise on her leg. But she's thinking, it was a big day, and then we fucked. So, I, you know what I mean? I probably, <laughs> yeah, bruises I probably just got banged up. Yeah. Um, however, as they're walking around, we start to see the first inkling of some weird things. All of the clocks have stopped at exactly seven, uh, 3.07 a.m. 
It's freezing okay. in the house. And okay. um, the girls are complaining about a, a rotting meat smell. You know, and I, living in an old, I grew up in a farmhouse. So my view thought is like, okay, there's like a dead animal on the wall. You know, like you got to figure sure. this out. Meanwhile, while the girls are playing, they find a boarded up cellar door, which they no. did not know was there. And no. Rogers goes down and check it out, and it's full of, like, dusty old antiques, but, like, a ton of furniture and stuff. And so Rogers like, we might be able to sell some of this stuff, like, if they just abandon it. He's also trying to get the furnace working because it's it, the furnace seems to be operating fine, but it's freezing in the house all the time. Right. So this is our first, you know, like, inklings that things are going not so great. Meanwhile... Over at the Warren's house, which is, like, this, like, beautiful, idyllic, like, they have a chicken out in the yard, and, like, they have a little daughter named Judy. You know, they have, like, a, a really adorable little life as well. Except mm-hmm. for in their house is an occult museum full of possessed and evil objects. Right. Um, and a reporter has stopped by to, like, interview them, to ask about Annabelle, and sort of get, like, a scoop. And the reporter seems like a true believer. Like, he really believes all of this. Yes. And he says to them, this is, might be crazy, but, like, it doesn't it seem dangerous to keep all this stuff in your house? Like, why wouldn't you just burn these Excellent objects? Question. Right. And Ed says, that's a great, good point. However, it would only destroy the vessel. Like, if we were to burn it, the entities attached to these objects, like these demonic entities, would just be released and find something or someone else to attach to. So okay. it's safer for us to keep them in the house, arguably, considering what happens, both in this movie and in other movies. Um... It's safe for us to just keep an eye on them. You know what I mean? Like, essentially, it's right. like an evil doll jail, you know? And there's, like, old, like, a suit of armor and all this stuff that has uh, right. an evil force attached to it. Could, I, again, would not live in that house myself, but, you nope. know, that's my opinion. Even though I, like, even knowing that ghosts and spirits and things like that aren't real, I still don't want that in my house. Agreed. And the reporter says, you know, actually, I was talking to your contact at the Catholic Church, Father Gordon, and he says that um, something happened during the last exorcism you did to your wife. And Ed brushes it off like, you know, it was fine. It wasn't a big deal. But that's our first inclination of, like, when, because she's a clairvoyant Lorraine, when she takes part in these sort of exorcism or, like, rituals, it really psychically takes it out of her. Like, it's horrifying in a way that, like, everyone else, because they're not attuned to the spirits, are not um, necessarily affected. Right. Um, Of course, Judy then sneaks into the occult museum, and he has to shoo her out, which is another problem. It's like, you have a kid under 10 in a house filled with evil objects, including an evil doll, which you know is able to move around of its own accord. Yeah. You know, it's a recipe for disaster, and it is later on in the franchise. Oh, okay, great. I was going to say, I'd be disappointed if at some point they didn't address uh, just the general unsafe nature of living in that house. Oh, definitely. Back at the Perrone's house, um, it's another. It's the middle of the night again. The clocks have stopped again at, seven, at 3.07. And one of the daughters, Christine, sort of wakes up and she's yelling at her sister Nancy, like, stop pulling on my foot and stop farting. It smells so bad in here. And they're both sort of half asleep, and Nancy's like, I'm not touching your foot. And we see something is sort of dragging Christine to the end of the bed. She wakes Oof. up, though, everything's fine. You know, so she's assuming, okay. okay, maybe I had, like, a dream. Meanwhile, Roger has fallen asleep at his desk, and he wakes up to sound the sound of some of thumping throughout the house. And he wake, mm. looks, and the cellar door is now ajar of its own accord. No. So he's sort of looking. It sounds like someone's walking around the house. And he finally finds his eldest daughter, Andrea, is on the stairs. And she's like, Cindy is now sleepwalking again. A very common thing in a lot of horror movies, as we've discussed, 
in the movie Sinister, child walking, a child sleepwalking yes. is one of the first harbingers of evil intent in the house. Cindy is not only sleepwalking, she is slamming her head while asleep no. onto a big old uh, wooden wardrobe in Andrea's room that was there when they moved in. So she's just There's slamming her head. particularly scary about uh, people who are sleepwalking or possessed or whatever, like harming themselves. Like Absolutely. banging themselves into things, hitting themselves, hurting themselves. Like that's just like a next level horror yeah. thing. And so, you know, Andrew's like, well, you always told me don't wake her up. And he's like, no, if she's doing this, go ahead and wake her up and we'll get her back to bed. So he kind of ushers um, Cindy back to bed. In the morning, Carolyn has a second, even gnarlier bruise on her back, which she doesn't even notice, but that she and Roger are getting, to get, uh, getting ready together in the bathroom. He's like, oh my God, like, what happened? Like, this is, it looks way worse than like, oh, this was an accidental right. sex or moving related bruise. Like, this is a, something is wrong. He's like, I think you need to see a doctor especially because she's pregnant, you know? So it's like, right. if something's going on, you know, the, the doctor will be able to talk to you about it. And they're worried about Cindy, but again, there's a lot of things going on, you know. Roger's leaving for work, and as he does, he finds a dying bird next to the house. And he oh. realized the bird must have slammed into the window and broken its neck. <sighs> um, the, four, the four oldest girls, they're, they're school-aged, and so they go off to school, and April's the only one who stays home. Literally, April's the youngest one. Yes, yeah, and she's adorable. So I'm, I'm like four or five, so like not old enough for kindergarten yet, or right. I guess if they have kindergarten back, I don't even know like when. Uh, yeah, if they now have school. we have yeah. it, and now we have right. preschool. But I don't know. Maybe we we're, we're going until a little bit later. But she's playing by herself, and she immediately starts talking to a new invisible friend named Rory. And mm. she's sort of talking to herself, and Carolyn comes in like, "Oh, um, you know, what are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, I met my new friend Rory, and he, you know, he's playing with me." And he, she, he says, if you use this music box, the music box that she found near the tree outside, you could oh, see God. him in it. And no. so Carolyn sits down, and we hear the creepy off-note off music. No. And no. she stares into a spinning mirror. And uh-uh. suddenly a figure appears behind her. But it's just April. It's just, it's fine. Okay. And April says, let's play a game of hide and clap. And so they play a game. If I'm Carolyn, I'm like, I am exhausted. I am pregnant. We just moved yes. in. You play with, if you're playing with a ghost, that's fine. But I got stuff I need to do. I need to lay down. Yeah, I, you know? I need to lie down. Yeah, there's a lot going on. But because Carolyn's a good mother, she's like, okay, we'll play one game. And so, of course, Caroline is blindfolded. April runs off to hide. And they have the clap. So she says, first clap. And we hear April clap little hands. And Carolyn makes her way through the house by the sounds of the claps. And she ends up in Andrea's room. And we could see, because we're not blindfolded, Allison, that the wardrobe doors open on their own. And from inside the wardrobe, we hear a clap. And we even see two tiny, pale little hands come from inside and clap. Oh, no. So Carolyn's thinking, I know where you are. You're hiding in that wardrobe. But when she goes over there, she takes off her blindfold. And April appears in the door and says, you were so cold. I was in the other room. I wasn't in the wardrobe. And that's Carolyn's first indication of, like, something's a mess. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not just that it's cold. It's not just that it's there's slugs dead in the walls. It's not just that the clocks keep malfunctioning. I definitely right. heard a child playing and clapping inside this wardrobe that does no. not exist. Um, also, this is when we find out what Roger's job is. And this is the hard, one of the hardest jobs, and also would be the hardest job, knowing that your spouse would have to be alone to take care of your 
five going on six five daughters. Children. Yes. Roger is a long haul trucker. Okay. Which that sucks. And that's the very 70s. Yes. 70s was all about trucking. Roger has to go down to Florida, which means he's going to be gone for a full week, leaving oh, Carolyn God. and the girls alone to take care of business. And Carolyn's used to it. And she's like, even without the ghost, that's I know a it'd be terribly difficult. And and I, if you're listening to this in a truck, if you are a trucker, my like sympathies and respect go out to you because that seems like an incredibly Absolutely. difficult job to do. So hard. And he's like, well, I have to take every job I'm offered because we just bought this house and yeah. also we have these growing kids. You know, like, I, I can't be turning down work. And Carolyn's like, of course not. We have to feed these kids. You go, we're going to be fine. We're very difficult. That night, Christine wakes up again and yells at Nancy, like, stop touching my feet. Please stop ripping ass all night. It's horrible. Nancy is, of course, dead asleep. And Christine feels herself, like, violently yanked to the end of the bed. And she's definitely awake. So this is for Christine's first, like, mm. realization. Like, something is really fucked up. This isn't, like, a dream yeah. or whatever. And she wakes up and she screams for Nancy. And Nancy wakes up like, what's wrong? And uh, Christine is staring behind the, uh, the door, which is ajar. And she said, There's someone standing over there. I, I don't see anyone. It's looking right at us. And Nancy gets up and sort of is trying to look in the shadow but doesn't see anything. Suddenly the door slams shut and both the girls scream. Roger and Carolyn run in, like, what's going on? Christine is panicking. and she's like, I saw someone behind the door. I, I know they were there. They were staying right next to Nancy. And even Nancy's like, I didn't see anyone. Like, I don't think that was going on. It was probably just a dream. And Christine said, no, the thing talked to me. No. It says it wants my family dead. Allison, here's my question uh, for you. If this was you, what would you do? What would you do? We're moving. But I mean, okay, to first where? of all, I would kill myself. Yes, okay. I, <laughs> yes. We all know the what Allison you do. special. What Plan I really B. do is kill myself. Yeah. Plan B. I'm get like at least, like, I'm getting up and we're, like, we're not staying there, me and the girls, if I'm the mother. Like, we're going, I'm taking whatever money we have and I'm finding a hotel or a motel or something. Yeah. And we are staying there until, I don't know, I like, there seems to be no solution. I'm, like, get, exactly. like who sold this house to them? Like, what inspections can be right. done to maybe reconcile this? <laughs> And to be fair, I did, on, according to the um, Amazon, like, trivia, you know, in <laughs> Rhode Island, they do not have to tell you about hauntings. Now, in real life, that is because they're not real. But right. in the movie, that would have been really helpful to know if they had had the history. And we'll find out more yes. of the history in a minute here. Um, but I agree. They have no information. And the thing is, like, even if they stay in a hotel, again, they are five going on six kids and the parents— the dad, the dad's the only one working. Even if long haul trucking pays well, which it might have done at the, this time, sure. They their options are limited. There's no place that, and I even say that like no one's going to take us indefinitely, and that's what we need. We just don't. We don't need a day or a week. We need a new home, right. and we simply do not have the resources for that at this juncture. Burn the house down for the insurance. Yeah, burn that's the house I down. I'd say sleep in the truck if you had to. You know, like. Yeah. But yes, if you have to send your kids to go live with some relatives or friends, I would do it. Figure it out. Get the kids at least out of the house. Yes, yes. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone. 
plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Over at the Warrens, they're meanwhile having a great time to play with their chicken, Winston, you know, and, you know, they're having the time of their life. Ed is trying to sort of take on cases without Lorraine because he's still afraid that Lorraine is still haven't, hasn't recovered from this exorcism. And this is in the way where I'm like, well, this is what like a, a Catholic couple would be like. They're not really having an honest conversation about right. like what they should be doing, what Lorraine's comfortable with doing. What, so he's trying to prevent her from taking cases. And Lorraine's like, I am half of this. Like, this is why we're yes. together. Like, yes. this is not an accident we found each other, in her opinion. It's like, this is okay. what we're supposed to be doing. You can't just be going off and not telling me you're like helping couples, you know, with a— uh, new cases. And he says, okay, good. Well, then let's go talk to this other couple. Father Gordon referred them to us. And Ed and Lorraine meet with a couple named Lee and David, but luckily they find out their house is not haunted. It's just their pipes are all fucked up. All right. That's another horror. Yeah, which is another fucking homeowning nightmare. Yeah. Right. It's like, I'd rather find out there's a ghost in your house that you have to redo all the plumbing and water pipes. Yeah, that you have to overhaul your septic system. Right. Yeah. 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 Sounds and, terrible. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, like, the way it's set up, like, it's causing all this groaning and, like, the water rushing through and it's, like, freezing. Like, all, all things that make sense. And it, it makes you think, okay, well, Ed and Lorraine are above board because they could have easily said, it's haunted, you pay us, you know, and we'll get rid of the ghost. But they said, no, no, it's fine. Meanwhile, unfortunately, back at the Perones, Carolyn is a, a new huge bruise on her arm. And we see it's been a little while. And so she has iron tablets from her doctor. She went to the doctor, the doctor, not knowing about ghosts, presumed, okay, she's um, pregnant. This is just, she has anemia. So we'll just put her on some pills and this will cure the problem. More doctors should be thinking like, is there a ghost in your house? Absolutely. Before I prescribe you drugs, let's just do a little ghost check. Yeah, it should definitely be like, oh, do you have a family history of diabetes? Does there seem to be a haunting going on in your new home? Just a thorough uh, medical exam. As Carolyn gets ready for bed, she's uh, doing laundry and she hears clapping in the hallway. And she's like, girls, you have to go to sleep. Like, this has been a tough week. Your father's in Florida driving a truck. Like, let's all go to bed, you know? And so she's trying to walk around the house trying to figure out who's clapping and who's playing clap and seek. Suddenly, with a huge crash, all of the family photos fall off the wall over the staircase and just smash onto the stairs all at once. And so Caroline's obviously terrified, but she's also like, is someone in the house? Did somebody just do that? And so she's running around the house, hearing what sounds like somebody walking or or doors opening. And she's panicking, of course, because she has five daughters and she's alone and pregnant. And they live in the middle of fucking nowhere. And her husband's at home. (sighs) I mean, of course it's the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you don't see within eye shot or what do you call it, uh, as the crow flies. And you, neighbors. So it's not like, oh, a suburban okay. house you could run across no, the no, street no. or something. This is rural. Exactly. Yeah. Again, gorgeous. Would love to live there. Uh, a true fantasy. As she's running around, she hears like somebody breathing, like really loud, audible breathing. And suddenly the door to the basement swings open. 
And she goes and she peers in and she says, whoever's down there, I am locking you in. Just then the door swings shut, knocks her down the fucking stairs. She's pregnant, as, as I to remember. So the whole Jesus. time I'm like, oh my God, she's going to miscarry. Knocks her down the stairs into the basement. She's panicking and she sees a ball roll across the floor of its own accord. And then the light bulb explodes. And she mm. runs back up the stairs. It's, of course, locked. And she's pounding. And, but she's like a floor below her kids. So if they're not awake, they can't hear her. And she's screaming and pounding. And suddenly we hear a voice saying, want to play hide and clap? No. And then two little hands emerge from behind her face and clap. And she mm -mm. drops the match that she's holding because the light bulb has, of course, exploded. Right. So she's screaming in the basement, pounding on the door, and then suddenly goes silent. Simultaneously, Andrea wakes up in her bedroom, and Cindy's back, and she's pounding her head against the wardrobe again. And Andrea's like, uh, okay, pounding. let's knock this off. And has put Cindy in her bed and be like, you can sleep in here tonight. Allison, even though she puts Cindy in the bed, she still hears the pounding on the wardrobe, and she realizes the pounding is coming from inside the wardrobe. Mm. Something is slamming against the inside of the wardrobe. So she walks over, and she opens the door. Obviously terrified, as Cindy sits bolt upright in bed, terrifyingly, and screams. They both look up, and crouched on top of the wardrobe is a woman in an old-timey white nightgown with, like, a rotten, dark, screaming mouth. Ugh. Luckily, just at no. this moment, and she leaps off, leaps off the wardrobe at Andrea. Luckily... Things have timed out perfectly. Roger is just getting back in his truck. So Roger's like, la-da-dee, la-da-da, literally from outside in the lawn, hearing his wife and two of his daughters screaming and screaming. So you can only imagine what he thought. He runs inside, and sort of by the time he gets inside, things seem normal, you know? And he's not okay. downplaying this. Like, Roger's very much, like, attuned to what's going on. So he's not like, oh, yes. get over. But, but luckily, the woman is not there, and his wife is able to get out of the basement. But things, we all know, and that Roger and Carolyn admit, things have gone from bad to worse. Luckily, the Warrens are lecturing not too far away, apparently. So they're giving a lecture, okay. and they're talking about the last exorcism they did of this guy named Maurice. This is where Lorraine sort of experienced this trauma that is lingering, that Ed is concerned about. And they said, like, this guy Maurice... He, he, he had, like, a horrible life. He was molested by his dad. And then, like, they have video of his exorcism. His eyes are—he's, uh, like, crying blood. There's, like, an upside-down cross in his skin, oh, cool. like, emerging from the inside. No. I have to—there should be a rule. Like, if you're molested by your parent, you should not then have to be possessed by a demon. <laughs> like, yeah, you right. shouldn't it's have— like, to, enough yeah. is enough. Exactly. For God's sake, give him a break. Just, yeah, give the guy, like, if you're a demon that's looking for a body to possess, like, maybe somebody that's not already suffering through uh, incredible trauma. Yeah, like, and then literally a One student, thing at a time. The student raises his hand. It's like, so what happened? It's like, oh, well, the exorcism actually didn't work. Um, he was beyond saving. So Marie shot his wife. Luckily, she didn't die. And then he shot himself, and he died. And it's like, oh, so okay. wasn't he a successful exorcism? Like, they yeah, got what? to him too late, which is terrifying. Yeah. And, yeah, also, like, what class is this? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Right, who, yes, who are they I, do, I do have a lot of questions about, like, the educational element of what these two do. Like, who, yes. like, I can't think of a class I would take where they'd be like, <laughs> and now our guest speakers, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, are going to talk to you about failed exorcisms they've done. Yeah, <laughs> like, about a little doll they know who you get to walk around on her own. <laughs> Whatever they do, however, teach three important things that are going to come up here for us in this story, which is the three stages of, um, demonic possession. So it's okay. infestation, 
that's where you first start to see like little tiny hints like we've seen in the prone house. Oppression. Mm-hmm. Sort of the the force begins to like focus on one of the family or the, one of the people living in the home. And then finally possession. The, the demonic force, the entity will take over a person. In the audience, Caroline is watching because I guess she's auditing. I don't know. Again, I don't know. Sure. I, maybe you just buy a ticket knows? or something. Like maybe it's an event they have on, on campus. And she looks horrified because Caroline knows enough to be like, oh, fuck. That's what's going yeah. on in my house. Um, afterwards, their assistant, Drew, who I love and is in the other movies and doesn't get enough airtime. Drew should have more okay. lines. Brings Caroline to hit them. And it's like, oh, she has, you know, Carolyn, go ahead and tell them. And Caroline, like, sort of, like, unloads of what's going on in her house. And she's like, I'm terrified. And begs them to come take a look. And they're like, don't worry. Most of the hauntings we see, there's, like, a perfectly reasonable explanation. It's not ghosts. Or it's not demonic okay. possession. And Carolyn's like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case here. But okay, yeah. come on by. And they do because that's how they make it the money. That's how they, you know, mm-hmm. that's how they make their, their, their name for themselves. As soon as Ed and Lorraine show up to the prone house, Lorraine has this, like, look of absolute dread, like, oh, fuck. Like, she could tell right off the bat there's something going on. And Something's here, yeah. And so Ed and Lorraine are like, okay, it has all the hallmarks, like freezing, a, a rotten smell that drifts through the house. Yeah. Like, the clocks keep stopping at the exact same time. They also notice Carolyn's bruises, which she says, oh, it's this iron thing. They're, of course, like, nah, it's not. It's not an iron no, thing. No, you're not anemic, girl. You're getting beat up by a ghost. Exactly. And they, um, all of the, every, the entire family is sleeping in the living room together. And they're like, one, it makes the girls feel safer. And two, is a little bit warmer because it's constantly freezing in this house. Sure. And so they go down to the cellar and Lorraine says, something awful happened here. And they're like, yeah, no shit, obviously. <laughs> and so finally, Ed and Lorraine, they sit down and they record all of their interviews, um, which, uh, which Ed and Lorraine Warren did in real life, too. Like, they, you know, sort of cataloging real-world evidence of hauntings and stuff was, like, very important to them. And so they're interviewing Roger and Carolyn. They say, well, wh- why haven't you moved out? And Roger and Carolyn are like, bitch, do you see how many kids we have? We're about yeah. to have another kid. It is the early 70s. Like, there aren't, like, sa- like safety nets, like, right now. Like, right. we don't have family. We don't live near anyone. Even if we were to go stay at a hotel, this is our house. Like, we have to come right. back here. We don't have anywhere else to go, which I think is the most terrifying element. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is it. You're stuck here. Yeah, like, the fantasy of moving into a haunted house is the— it's a fantasy of the bourgeoisie. You know what I mean? Like, they'd yes. be like, oh, I'll just move out of my house. Uh, well, I right. could never even afford a house. The idea of if I right. bought a house, I, could, I would never be able to leave it. I, I can't imagine. No, you're already upside down on it. Yeah. So he's record. Ed is recording his interview with Roger and Carolyn, and Lorraine is interviewing April. And April's telling her okay. all about Rory. And it's like, okay, Rory is her invisible friend. Lorraine immediately is like, mm, Rory's a ghost that lives in this house, too. Mm-hmm. And she— looks into the music box, and unlike Carolyn, Lorraine does see Rory's spooky ass. And he looks like a little old-timey, like, Victorian boy. So he doesn't do anything mm. too terrifying, but she, he does but appear in a scary. glimpse. And Lorraine, because she's sensitive to it, it's like, okay, so there's definitely at least one spirit here, but he's not the issue. Like, he's here, right. but that's not what this evil force is that I can sense. Okay. He's just an ancillary ghost. Yes. He is unfortunately... Kind of a friend of... A friend of a friend, friend of the house, friend of the haunted house. Lorraine, friend of the house. <laughs> Lorraine watched, walks to the end of the property, which is where the big house where uh, April found the music box, and it uh, abuts against a pond. It's gorgeous. I mean, like, again, would love to live there. Of course, idyllic. 
And Ed joins her. He's like, are you okay? And Lorraine turns around looking horrified because Ed cannot see what she sees, which is there is a dead body of a ghost woman hanging from the tree. And we see her feet dangling next to Ed's head. He's not, he's not even aware of it. But Lorraine is getting more and more information. So um, they start to press Roger and Carol, like, do you know anything about the house? They're like, no, we actually got it at a bank auction. Like, we were able to get it really cheap. And as a result, we didn't really get any information about the history of the house. And Lorraine's like, okay, we think that this house needs an exorcism. However, in order to get that from the Catholic Church, you have to, like, document all this evidence and present it. So uh, we're going to bring Drew. We're going to bring our crew. We're going to bring our uh, ghost cameras and our ghost photography and catalog what's going on. Then we should be able to submit it to Father Gordon and then get an approval and he'll do an exorcism. And then we should be good to go. But we're going to have to come in and really, like, we need to have this stuff happen on camera. Like, we need to actually see stuff happen or else it's your word against ostensibly the Vatican. Great. And meanwhile, Carolyn and, and uh, Roger are like, this has been going on so long. It's like, you have to do a whole fucking investigation, you know? Like, we've been living in this hell for at least weeks, you know? Right. And so they right. said, how okay. long? How long is this going to take? How much paperwork and red tape do we have to get over? Lorraine, get rid of the ghosts. Exactly. Lorraine informs them, actually, I realize that you can't just leave because the entity is attached to your family now. No. I saw it first when I came through your door. It was latched to your back. And then I saw it again with the girls when we walked into the living room. And she says, if you were to leave and go to a new house, that entity would go with you. So now that it's like sort of um, so it's part not of the even family. real estate. Yeah. Exactly. So you can go if you want, even if you if you could come with the money. It won't resolve your the problems. issue. Got yeah. it. So, um, and they also say, okay, so we're going to start an investigation, and while we're at it, go get all your daughters baptized, because none of them are baptized. Again, okay. it's all about the Christianity. It's all about the, yeah. you know, the Catholicism of it all. At home, little Judy, it, it, she had gone to an estate sale with her nana, so Lorraine's mother, and gotten two lockets. And so Judy gives her mother a locket with a photo that Nana's helped her put in there. And then Judy mm-hmm. has the same locket, but with a picture of Ed and uh, Lorraine in it. And it's very sweet. Okay. And we know because we haven't seen Judy in a while that something bad's going to happen to Judy in a little bit here. Yep. When Ed goes to replay the interviews of the Perones, he cannot hear Carolyn's voice, and neither can Lorraine. Carolyn's voice does not appear on the recording. So now they're like, okay, Okay. great. Between that and the bruising, it seems like this force is sort of attracted to and latching onto Carolyn. Yes. Of all of the people in the household. Otherwise, we would have been able to. Yeah, I know. My God. It's like, yeah, like, it is. Like, giving birth five times isn't enough. Like. Moving when you're six months pregnant. Like, I I just, my heart goes out to her. Yeah. Yes. So, Lorraine, meanwhile, meanwhile, has done a lot of digging of her own. And she found out sort of what they believe to be the origin of the evil force in the house. And it is, of course, a witch. And her name is Bathsheba Sherman. She and her her husband, Jensen, built the house in the 1630s. And so that's how old it is. And he was related to Marytown Esty, who was one of the witches tried at the witch trials and hung. Which also I find a little dubious because we all know that the witch hunt was not real and innocent people were murdered. So now we're saying not only is this person a witch but also is related to another witch, and we're saying that that's real. So that's like a complicated historical thing to get into. Yes. 
Unfortunately for poor Jedson, he and his wife have a baby, and a week later, he walks in on his wife Bathsheba sacrificing the child, as we know from the witch, to uh, curry favor with Satan. And when she did it, he, you know, obviously was horrified, and she went to the tree outside where we saw her ghost hanging, sacrificed herself, declaring her absolute loyalty to Satan— and her was pronounced dead at 3.07 a.m. Now, I didn't okay. know that they did exact time of dates hundreds of years yeah. ago, but you know yeah, what? I'm I don't not know that we had minutes then. Did we? Right. <laughs> Who's coming over there to declare it? I guess her husband was there? The townsfolk? Yeah. I don't know. Unfortunately, as a result of this death, there have been a series of horrific, violent deaths, um, murders, suicides, and disappearances related to the house and the property, which has been since divided up for other houses because they own like 200 acres. And even elsewhere in that property, people have been sort of punished for moving into this house. And they think, okay, okay Bathsheba is the one who is sort of calling all, causing all this. Her spirit is still in the house. And unfortunately, all of her victims, like all the people who also died after her, sure. Rory being one of them, presumably— a victim of a later, you know, tragedy. Violent, yeah. Violent murder and, and death are also trapped in the house. So we've got not only the, the source right, of the so. evil, but then the, her poor, her victims throughout all these past decades also trapped in the house. Again, which seems unfair. Crowded. But here we are. And now she is, a, because there's a new family in the house, has attached themselves to her and is going to ostensibly manipulate and possess Carolyn. To what end? Well, we know what Bathsheba loves best, killing kids. So yeah. that's the risk that's immediately on the table, is that if, we, okay. if they can't figure out a way yes. to get Bathsheba out of there, Carolyn is in danger, but also their children are the also children are in, in danger. So they got to go, and this is the part that I think of the movie that for me, I'm like, I just don't, I'm not, is the actual documenting of like, we, we have like, um, video cameras that like go off when the temperature drops and we've got photography and we've got UV lights where you can see like handprints. Okay. I'm like, I don't care about any of that. Ghosts aren't no. real. And if they are real, I don't think you need to, I, I don't believe in a camera capturing them. I just don't. No. I don't think that makes any sense. No, not at all. It's not, it's not, it's not technology, it's not like a visual thing. If I can't see them, how are you recording it? Anywho, right. again, that's just my complaint with the Warrens in general. But they bring their assistant, Drew, and then their friend, a police officer named Brad, who is a skeptic. But they bring them along to collect evidence, and they kind of set up shop in the house. And uh, Officer Brad has his gun, sort of like, for protection. Drew tells him, you know you can't shoot ghosts, right? And I'm like, well, if you could photograph them and they could hurt you, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, you should be able to shoot ghosts. Yeah, there's got to be something that you could... That some kind of a ghost gun. I saw Ghostbusters. Yeah. They've got like ghost lasers or whatever. Yeah, there's all kinds of ghost stuff. Um, and Lorraine tells Carolyn the story of Bathsheba, and Carolyn's like, who could kill a child? And Lorraine says, well, it wasn't really a child to her. It was just a way to elevate her status with Satan. You know, so that's, she had different priorities than motherhood. You, however, that's your number one thing. And Lorraine picks up a photo of the family, and we can't tell where they are, but she said, oh, this was a nice day at the beach. And, of course, Carol was like, well, how did you know that's where we are? And Lorraine says she's, like, sensitive. So, like, if she picks up objects, she could see the story behind them. So she does see this really lovely uh, time at the beach with the whole family, and it was sort of like that's when they decided they were going to buy the house and it was going to be, like, a fresh start where they'd have enough Mm -hmm. room and the girls could, like, grow up in this, like, ostensibly wholesome area, (laughs) not knowing, of course, there was a... 
um, infant murdering witch ghost that was going to be bothering them at the uh, state. Again, that should be in a real estate listing. <laughs> and they kind of bond over being like mothers a little bit. Yes. And um, so we've got all our things set up and Drew and Andrea, Drew, I guess, is in college and Andrea's like, you know, like a senior in high school. So they have like a little flirtation and he shows her like the black light and suddenly they hear a door slam. But it's just Officer Chad taking a huge shit. So don't worry. Oh, it was just a, a fun fake out. That night, they're staying over. The family goes to sleep. They're monitoring all their equipment. And Ed sets up like a, some religious icons, holy water, because it could sort of um, draw out an evil entity because okay. they're sort of like, they hate that so much. So it c- kind of causes ghosts and so forth to act up. And okay. Roger said, oh, like a vampire. And Ed says, yeah, except I don't believe in vampires. I think you should have to, if you believe in all this, I don't think vampires seems that out, seem that outrageous. No, it, it seems, vampire seems more real than ghost in, like, on the gamut of uh, spooky guys. Right, it's a person. Like, it has a it's corporeal a form. Like, it's you a person who drinks it. blood. Like, that exists, I think. <laughs> like, yeah. in the, right, you know, in that very loose definition. But, like, you can't cherry pick. It's not like, like, the supernatural is not a la carte. If you believe in yes. any of it, you should believe in all of it. Werewolves, um, mummies. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess mummies yes. are real regardless, but you know, you know the kind of mummies right, right, right. I'm talking but, about. Uh, yeah, come back to life mummies. If you believe like, in Annabelle, you should definitely believe in vampires. Annabelle's, essential, yes. Annabelle's essentially a vampire, but doesn't She's a doll. Blood. She's yes. a doll who's alive. Right. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. That night, you know, there's some spooky stuff. Some doors are slamming. The cellar door pops open and Lorraine and Ed go down there and Lorraine suddenly feels really sick. The door shoves its own accord, but nothing too wacky. You know what I mean? So stuff where they're like, oh, we right. really need the goods. We can't just have yeah. some, like, clapping and doors opening. You know, the, the Vatican's right. not impressed by that kind of thing. And in the morning, they have, like, breakfast with the family. And it's actually really sweet. And the family feels, like, extremely reassured that someone's taking them seriously and is, like, actually helping them. That's good. And they say, you know, we could stay here and we'll actually—Roger's uh, going to take the kids to go get ice cream. And Carolyn is exhausted because— you know, it's hard enough being pregnant. And it's like she literally has not gotten a wink of sleep since they moved in no, or like a whole night's sleep. So she's going to go lay down. And Ed and Lorraine offer to like help around the house just to like be be of use to this family do who something. they feel really bad yeah. for. So they go out to like do laundry and Lorraine's hanging it up on the line. And they sort of have like a, a talk about Lorraine's experience during the exorcism. And, and she's like, I think you think that I'm like not as strong as I am. But, you know, they clearly love each other. And again, they have a strong Christian love um, that no one could break asunder. And when Ed goes inside, one the storm starts to st- roll in and a sheet gets blown off the line. And when Lorraine turns to grab it, the sheet has blown against a figure of a human no. being. And then the uh-uh. sheet blows away and there's nobody there. Terrifying image. Love it. That is truly chilling. As we, she watches the sheet gets blown against the second-story window, and then when it gets pulled down again, there's a woman standing at the window that Lorraine can see. So she busts okay. ass and she books it inside, being like, oh, my God, the only person in the house is Carolyn, and we already kind of suspect that she's being targeted. Unbeknownst right. to her, Carolyn wakes up. You know, she has a huge handprint bruise on her hand, and she wakes up to have Bathsheba, the, the witch's, face inches from her face and then she vomits what I think is blood but it's like strands of blood like it looks like gore into her mouth Lorraine busts in and Carol's awake baby bird style yes vomits it into her mouth 
and Carolyn brushes it off. And and to be fair, Lorraine didn't see Bathsheba. She just saw someone at the window and was cued on to something right. horrible was happening. Carolyn's like, it's fine. I feel totally fine. Oh, Roger's back with the girls. So I got to go help them. So she seems oh, to no. be willfully in denial about what's going go, happening now. Like she yes. can't engage with it to the point that maybe Bathsheba's got her claws in her, you know. Yeah. She's not right. She's, she's not like being too nonchalant about it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's our, again, as the audience, our first tip off of like, okay, so this is, Bathsheba's plan seems to be working beautifully. Yes. Ed also agrees to help Roger with his like broken down car that he has. And during this, this is when he reveals like, during Maurice's exorcism, the last exorcism they did, Lorraine saw something that scared her so bad she like locked herself in a room for eight days. And he's never, he said, I, I, she hasn't told me what it was and I haven't asked her. Again, that's a I, Christian couple for you. You know yeah, what I mean? That like, is, if somebody, if something scared Dave so badly that he locked himself in for eight days, you be, I would never stop asking him for the rest of our lives. So what yeah. was it? Could you draw it? <laughs> Could you give me one word? Like, sounds like, like, what are you talking about? You live in a cult museum. I think um, radical transparency is the only way you two are going to make it through this. It, truly, there is no other option. You have to be constantly, you know, keeping each other abreast of what's going on. It just seems unsafe, you know what I mean, if yeah. he doesn't know. No. Oh, of course. That night, the gang sets up for another ghost hunt, and Officer Brad hears a woman's voice outside, and he runs to the porch, but there's no one there. However, when he turns back to the kitchen, he sees a woman in a maid's outfit, and she has slit her wrist, and she holds her arms out to him, oh, no. Six Sense style, and screams, Look what she made me do! And he's terrified, obviously, and like slams into the refrigerator, and everyone runs over to help him. He's like, oh, I saw a ghost. Unfortunately... Meanwhile, Sid, Cindy is sleepwalking in Andrea's room again. And they run up to go help her because they could hear her head hitting the wardrobe. But the yes. door to the room is locked. And when they finally, they, they realize, oh, we, we can't get in the room, but we could hear in our equipment. They hear Rory's voice, the ghost, talking to her. When they get the door open, Cindy is gone. Allison, <sighs> I have to ask you, who will survive? survive. I mean, Ed and Lorraine, I think. Mm-hmm. How about Carolyn and Roger? What do we think about them? I think Carolyn's gone. Okay. Roger, I think, maybe Roger survives and, like, everyone else dies. Like, maybe, like, he's the lone member okay. of his family that makes it. Oh, great. I love that. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Luckily, they realize that Cindy's okay. She is just 
gone into a crawl space. Like, there's a sliding door at the back of the oh. wardrobe, and there's a crawl space in the house. Okay. And April informs them, oh, well, that's where Rory hides when he's scared. And the rain notices that there's a space in the dust in the crawl space that perfectly matches the music box. Okay. And while she's there, she sees a rope, and she tugs it, and she pulls the rope um, up out of the wall, essentially. And she, at okay. the end, she finds a noose. Suddenly, the floor gives way, and Lorraine falls from the second story into the fucking basement. To me, what? I'd be like, you're breaking a leg. But she falls uh, through the wall. If you survive. Into the basement. And there, she's confronted by a female ghost who tells her, she made me do it. And we realize that this is no. one of the people who lived in the house that Bathsheba compelled to murder her child. And now this ghost is trapped okay. in the basement, too, saying, she made me do it. Trapped for all eternity. Again, doesn't seem fair. You should at least be told when you're signing the paperwork, when you get the deed, by the way, a ghost will possess you and make you kill your kid. And suddenly, Lorraine's necklace starts strangling her, the locket that Judy gave her. So she's being strangled alone in the basement while everyone's trying to run down there and help her. God. Things have gone from bad to worse. However, oh, this no. interaction with this ghost allows Carolyn to understand, okay, this is what this is what the plan is. This is why Carol this is why Carolyn has all the bruises. This is why, you know, all this stuff is happening. Bathsheba has attached herself to Carolyn. She's trying to possess Carolyn. And based on what we know, Carolyn's gonna kill those kids. You know what I mean? If Bathsheba gets yeah. inside her. So we gotta figure out like we don't have time, you know. Unfortunately, as she's having this revelation, a force picks up their daughter Nancy and starts kicking her ass, throwing her around the room, and everyone has to grab her. And this, uh, while it is unfortunate, is the thing that the Warrens were like, this is evidence that we can get priests to approve an exorcism. Yeah. Like, we have enough. Yeah, I, I, more than enough. After all this. This is a wealth of evidence. I agree. If this is all real, this is, like... Exactly. You're good. Meanwhile, like, Lorraine takes a break, she goes outside, and... It, she hears a children's voice calling her, and she looks in the water, and she, she's, she sees her daughter Judy's body floating there. So she freaks out. She runs back inside and calls her mom at home, thinking it's an omen. But luckily, Judy is fine. Right. But she says, this is a sign from Bathsheba. She is showing me, like, if you keep up, your kid will end up dead. Like, if you try right. to interfere with my plan right. to ostensibly kill children throughout time to yes. please Satan— Who's just the worst? What a fucking dirtbag. You know, I like, mean, not, not even one so kid needy. is enough. Yeah. yeah, like, come on, man. So, obviously, she's terrified. And so, they say, we take their evidence to Father Gordon. And Father Gordon has the audacity to be like, well, it's going to be tough. To, uh, they're not baptized. They're not a Catholic family. Bitch, what? How dare you? Yeah. Like, so you're going to be like, oh, well, they're not going to— First of all, that's not my understanding of exorcism. I think anyone can get no. it. And two, even if that's true, don't they need double help? That's right. like a way to get them in the church. Say, we'll baptize you, we'll, we'll exercise it. Then you can start coming every week. You know, we have donuts after mass. It's a recruitment tool, if anything. Exactly. And he's like, well, you know, it's going to be tough. But So because of that, we're going to have to—the Vatican itself will have to sign off on it. And I believe in real life, the Vatican has to sign off on all exorcisms. I could be wrong about that. But they're like, that it's going to be a hard right. pitch. And I'm like, that just seems unfair. You know, like, if anything, they need more help because they don't have yes. religion in their house, right. you know. Bureaucracy, red tape, bullshit. Finally, the Perones say, enough is enough. We are going to stay in a motel. It might not work, but we got to get out of the house, which is the right move. Yeah. So they all head to a motel. Good. Finally. 
Um, and that night, the Lorraines are driving home. It's the middle of the storm. And Judy wakes up. And her locket is sort of spinning on its own on her nightstand. So her parents aren't home yet, but her Nana is asleep. So she's kind of walking around the house. And of course, because she's a child, she goes into the occult museum. I mean, of course. You've, you, if you're like nine and there's an occult museum in your house, you're oh, fucking going You're there going in. Every there's time your doll parents are there. home. Yeah. Right, exactly. You, even if you don't know it's haunted, there's a doll and you're going to go look at it. Right. Unfortunately, Allison, when she goes to look at the doll, it's not in its little glass cage. No. And it's not sitting on its little chair. Annabelle is loose in the Warren's house, which is, in my mind, why you can't have that shit in your house. In your house. You want to put her in a museum, okay, I kind of get it as like a possessed doll jail or whatever, but like right. your, your house shouldn't be attached to it. Exactly. At least have a separate building. Put it in like a lead yes. line coffin and a coffin and bury yeah. it 100 yes. feet underground. Yeah, Judy, that's like kind of the best case scenario. Judy knows enough to be terrified, so she runs back to her room, and Good. unfortunately a woman, Bathsheba, is there rocking in a rocking chair and combing no. Annabelle's hair. And they're both no. faced away. And then the only one to turn and look at Judy is Annabelle, which is a very <sighs> creepy image. I love. Oh, so And scary. she starts screaming. The door closes and Nana wakes up. And when she goes to get, there's a lot of doors locking on their own, which is very dangerous. I don't like that. Nana runs over and tries to open the door. Can't get it open. Luckily, Ed and Lorraine get there just then and rush in. Ed is able to get the door open when the rocking chair is picked up by a force, an unseen force, and thrown across the room and explodes into a bunch of splinters, narrowly <sighs> missing Judy. So Lorraine had this omen, something bad's gonna happen to Judy. They arrive just in time to stop that from happening. But they know now Bathsheba is the one who, I guess, activated uh, uh, Annabelle, opened her glass cage. I'm okay. not sure. Sure. So Judy's like, Annabelle's out. She's walking around. I saw a lady, you know, like trying to give her all the information. And Ed runs back into the occult museum and Annabelle's back in her case and everything looks fine. Obviously, things are not fine. She's so sneaky. She's so fucking Nothing is fine. That dumb bitch. That dumb bitch. So um, as if that, you think, okay, that's a terrible night. Well, unfortunately, Roger arrives back at the motel and his remaining, how many, three of his daughters run out and say, mom took Christine and April and left with them. And mom was acting extremely weird and didn't tell us where she was going. And she smelled like rotten meat. Oh, no. So we know Carolyn has, at this point, probably been fully possessed. And he, yes. she's taking two of her daughters. Well, she's going, she's going back to the house to sacrifice them. Roger does the right thing and calls Ed and Lorraine and tells them, Andrew was here and she said that Carolyn took off with Christine in April. The girl said she smelled like rotten meat. She possesses the mother to kill the child. That's what she does. Yep. She's taking them back to the house. Ed and Lorraine put the pedal to the metal. They fucking head back over there with the gang, Drew and Officer Brad. And at first, Ed, Ed doesn't want to let Lorraine go. He's like, you've been through too much. And Lorraine's like, fuck you. Fuck that. Yeah. Like, I, we are... A, a unit. There's no way we could do this without each other. You don't have to. I'm not weak in the way that you're thinking of of it. Mm. And also, like she's a clairvoyant. You need her. You know what I mean? Like she yeah. has special. She has a superpower. She does have a essentially. Skill. Yeah. So they arrive at the house and they go down to the basement and just in time to stop Carolyn from stabbing Christine with a pair of scissors and killing her. And we oh realize my God. that's why the basement is the the locus of all of this bad evil energy. Is that Bathsheba? killed her infant child in the basement. In the basement. So all of this is like 
the this is the the eye of the storm, I suppose. Like this yes. is the where all of this has to go down. And luckily, they're able to like get the scissors out of her hand, and they're able to pin her down. But Carolyn is full on like full exorcist, like that double and triple like demon voice, screaming, yes. writhing, and they cannot find April. So they're like, we have two priorities. Oh. One, we got to tie up tie Carolyn down to a chair, and she keeps trying to bite them like she bites Officer Brad in the neck. And so they throw a sheet over her and tie her to a chair as she's, like, screaming and writhing. And then Drew sets off to try to find April, where they're hoping is just hiding, but they don't know where she is at this point. And they go to call Father Gordon, and he's going to try to make the trip, but he's too far away. Where, I don't know. But he is not able to get there in time. Rural areas, like, you're never close. Exactly. And so Ed says, all right, I'm going to try to do the exorcism myself. And Roger is like, did you tell me this whole time you couldn't do it yourself? Like, you had to get the priest. And they're right. like, there isn't enough time, Roger. We got to do an exorcism right now, which they do. So he's not wrong. Okay. But he's like, you know that stuff that we tried to set up the entire movie? Forget about it. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Oh, good. I don't need to be Just throw all of it away. Priest. And Lorraine says, I'm going to stay. Despite what happened that last time, we're going to figure this out. And it okay. begins the exorcism, and Carolyn's, like, shaking the entire house. Like, her chair flips up upside down and then smashes on the ground. <sighs> and Christine, they've taken out of the house and put in the car. And she's terrified because she can still see the house shaking. Suddenly, oh, a God. bird slams into the car window, no. Allison, no. and it no. explodes, both the bird and the window. And Ugh, Christine is yuck. screaming, covered in blood and um, broken glass. Glass and dead bird. Suddenly, dozens, if not hundreds of birds start swarming the house. No. I think in this case, birds are evil and are being summoned yes. by the yes. evil in the house. That's the only way Absolutely. I can explain what's going on. Bird style, like the movie The yes. Birds. Yes. If we were to find out what happened, maybe somebody attempted an exorcism and that's what caused the birds to, in the birds to go insane. Who's to say? We'll never know. Downstairs in the basement, Ed demands the demonic entity to show herself— and the sheet over Carolyn's face rips apart and is drenched in blood. And we see, like, it switches between Carolyn's bruised <sighs> exorcism face and Bathsheba's, like, no. terrifying witch face. Ghost witch face. And they're screaming, and suddenly everything goes dead still. Oh, and Carolyn starts to levitate. And she starts laughing maniacally, and Roger screams at her, like, let her go, let my wife go. And Carolyn turns to him and says, she's already gone. And now you're all gonna die. Meanwhile, oh, upstairs, okay. Drew is searching for April, and he realizes that she is essentially in in the wall again, or in the floor. Oh God! Underneath the floorboards in the kitchen. So he's trying to rip up the floorboards to get to her while he's hearing her sob, and he calls down to everyone in the basement. I found April. She's underneath the kitchen. And in that moment, it distracts him enough that Carolyn is able to get herself free and grab the scissors and crawls into the wall. So now no. Carolyn, possessed by a witch, this witch Something ghost. Nothing good happens in a wall. Yes. So they are, they're in a crawl space between the floors. So she's crawling in the wall. Ed is chasing after her. They can't stand fully up. And she's going to try to get April and murder her. As she's making her way through the wall, everybody's screaming and panicking. 
And finally, Lorraine runs out of the kitchen and is, Drew has sort of hacked a, a hole in the floor and she's calling to Carolyn and she's like, I need you to fight her. I know that you're in there. I need you to remember, like, this is your family. And so Carolyn is able to, like, sort of start fighting Bathsheba and Lorraine, like, reminds her of, like, that beautiful day at the beach. Like, remember your family. Oh. Remember how you don't want to murder all of them. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, all the important things to remember when you're in a bad <laughs> state. And so finally, Allison, it works. The power oh. of Christ and having a gigantic family compels Carolyn, and she's able to fight off the influence of Bathsheba and indicated by her violently vomiting. And she just vomits and vomits, and much like every time you vomit, when she's done, she feels a lot better. Oh, I mean, nothing's ever been more true. In the morning, they they go, I guess they've called the cops. I don't, there's more people there, and I'm like, what? again, it's like calling Where were- the cop, cops on the birds. It's like, right. you want me to arrest a witch's a ghost? ghost that is yeah. making you attack your children? But Carolyn, she's the worst for wear, but she looks okay. You know, like, she's made it through. Okay. She's no longer, the exorcism worked. Like, she did not murder any of her kids. And April hands Lorraine her locket, which had been, like, ripped off of her neck. And the, as okay. the Warrens arrive back home to see Judy and Nana, they get a voicemail from Father Gordon saying that the Vatican has approved the exorcism. And let Ed, uh, Ed says, nice timing, huh? And they take the magic, the music box from uh, the their most recent adventure and yes. they put it in the occult museum. And we end on a little bit of text. <clears throat> this is a quote from Ed Warren. Diabolical forces are formidable. These forces are eternal and they exist today. The fairy tale is true. The devil exists. God exists. And for us as people, our very destiny hinges upon which one we elect to follow. Ed Warren. The end. I don't like that ending. Well, I don't like let's, that text. Let's go into it. What do you not sure. like about that? Religion. Um. <laughs> and that's, you know, and that's a lot of the, the big part of the Warrens. Um, well, it depends on how you look at it. It's a big part of the Warrens. Um, belief system, it's also a big part of their grip. Sure. I feel like it makes them yes. feel... Yes, it, absolutely. It puts these things into a context that people are able to understand. Right, and, like, this is not me saying, like, religion is fake. Like, everybody, like, leave your own, you know, live your own whatever helps you get through life. But, like, to have the underpinning of their entire scam also be based on something that isn't real or provable. Like, yes. the existence of God is not provable. Therefore, you can argue the existence of, like, you know, Satan and demons and possession and stuff like that because it's like n- nothing you're talking about is based in fact. Yeah, it definitely puts them at a psychological advantage. And I just think like the people ta- calling them up are people who really do need help either because they are going through like, you know, like they say, like people who had exorcisms were mentally ill before we had the concept of mental illness. Right, Or they're having other issues that they are terrified of and need help with. But yes. these people are not giving them the kind of help that is real. But I guess right. for some people, maybe it would be helpful, like if you found this soothing. Guiding but then the, it doesn't, yeah, yeah it, it, it's a complicated um, ruse to try to find any value in. Yes. But speaking of finding value in something, what are some fatal mistakes you think that people may have made in this movie? Mistakes. I mean, Ed and Lorraine for doing what they do. Uh, 
is already like I'm like you're just Huge inviting mistake. problems. Huge yes. mistake. The this family needed to get out of that house earlier. Mm-hmm. By I think, any like, means if, necessary. Yes, and I would also once things start going south, get every sharp object out of the house. Yeah, I think that makes I think sense. like. Not that, like, I think you could have ever stopped a demon from doing something, but, like, let's not give them the tools of violence, you know? Yeah. Like, get rid of scissors. Get rid of all the knives. Like, get— It certainly would have helped. Clear the house. It would have made right. things more difficult. Yes. Keep with that, I do think you pointed out earlier, having the occult museum, having Annabelle in their house. Yes. And you could say, yes. oh, well, in this case, Annabelle didn't get out herself. Bathsheba got her out. Well, it doesn't matter then because that's their job is tangling but with spirits she and demons and ghosts. Right. If she wasn't in the house, it doesn't matter who got her loose. She's in the house. And like, that's maybe another issue I have with this the, this whole franchise. It kind of plays fast and loose about the rules around certain things. Mm-hmm. So then it's hard to be like, oh, well, if you did this, it's like, well, if Annabelle was in a different house, I guess she could have gotten like a little leprechaun style car and driven over and still try to kill them or something. You know? Yes. I feel like they're always, because it's more of an investigation they're more focused mm-hmm. on that rather than the rules and regulations of a satisfying horror movie. Though I still yes. enjoy The Conjuring. I think it's the best of this universe of The Conjuring expanded um, multiverse. Yes. But you know what I mean? Once we're that. like, oh, we're yeah. going to film the ghost. I'm like, okay, yeah. I guess. Kramer on Instagram sent us an article that the house, the Conjuring house that this is all based on is for sale for $1.2 million. So, I mean, it's gorgeous. Has $1.2 million and wants a 14 room, 3,100 square foot farmhouse in Rhode Island. You can do that. I mean, this. I do want that, but I don't have a million dollars. No, I don't have a million dollars. Yeah. And if you have five going on six kids, oh my God, 3,100 square feet? That's two not porches. enough. It's also only three bedrooms, which seems like not that many for that square footage. Yes. If you buy this house, please let us know. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Definitely tell us and uh, and then keep us updated on how many ghosts live there. And then also let us know which of the other Annabelle or Conjuring movies you'd like us to do. There are a number of them. And of course, eventually we'll do all of them. Let's be realistic. We're never going to stop doing yeah. this. But I would never. like to prioritize the ones that people most want to hear about, whether that be Annabelle yes. or the most, I saw the most recent Conjuring movie, The Devil Made Me Do It. I'd be happy to do that one. Again, I, I I have a problem with treating ghosts as like, you know, it's like Law & Order colon witch ghost or whatever. Yes. But that's, yes. that's my problem, at least partially. I, and then I, finally, I feel similarly. Allison, where would you rank The Conjuring on uh, the spooky scale? A spooky scale. I mean, it feels like horrific images and again, like this, I think like even though it's like you guys should move, like this does fall into a the bucket of like there's not a lot you can do to stop what's happening. So I think like a seven. Okay. Could say a seven. Um, I'm gonna give it a five. I think that there are individual scares that are very well done and very um, unnerving. I will say I think the the the. Ed and Lorraine Warren make it much less scary to me because it's sort of saying like, oh, we have this unknowable, terrifying thing. Well, we know someone who knows everything, who could do the research, who's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like skilled. Then I'm like, okay, well then they're going to handle it. You know, like 
I trust that they're not going to let these kids be murdered or whatever. Right. Which I, I think is fun, and especially if you're someone where it's like, I like a horror movie, but I need it to be PG-13. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want a kid to die. I don't want to see yeah. anybody, anything horrible like that. Then this is the movie for you. I just think for me, I, I, I could have used an element of general danger. Like, genuinely, like, not yes. knowing if something really horrible was going to happen. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I Again, excited to do the rest of the series. Yes. Starting off, I think, with the strongest of the of the bunch. Um, a big announcement. Uh, we are doing another live show. We'll the end do of this it month. live. Well, fuck it. We'll do it live, uh, which we're going to on October 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to ruin Malignant. Malignant, so. which is the most. So this was uh, James Wan's uh, film, The Conjuring. And Malignant is James Wan's most recent movie. Um, having seen it, it's on HBO Max. If you're someone who does watch the movies, please immediately watch it so you'll be prepared. If not, read nothing about it. Yes, come in cold. It's it's something where it's like, having seen it, I'm excited to see it again. If you don't know anything about it, don't read about it at this point because then you will get to enjoy as Allison gets to enjoy each tiny twist. Yes. Um, and if you're somewhere in between, that's fine too. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all welcome. And this one, I will say, I think James Wan said, this one's for me. What he made malignant, and that's what's Ooh, so boy. exciting about it. Oh boy! So we'll be sharing the link, but make sure to get your tickets. You'll be able to watch it for seventy-two hours after, just like our last show, which was so much fun. Momenthouse.com/slash/ruined is where you can go, and we'll be posting that all over um, our social. So please get those tickets and keep leaving us spooky five-star reviews because we'll keep reading them on the podcast. So that's it. That's all I got. We can't wait. We're going to actually make a drink that will be palatable this time. We've already put one out. So you're going to be in a much better place than we were this. And hopefully, I mean, barring any disaster, I won't have moved during the exact same day we were doing the live show. So things are only looking up. And we look forward to seeing you guys there. Yes. So get your tickets. And uh, until next week. Please. You got to keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Bye. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.